You like Fireboy? I do. You're listening to Your Tables on Fire. A weekly conversation with the hottest game designers on Kickstarter. Here comes your host, Jeff Beck. Why, hello there. Thanks for tuning in to Your Tables on Fire. This is episode number 51. Okay, with me today we have a special guest. This is Tobias Guabond, the designer of Peak Oil. Tobias, welcome to Your Tables on Fire. Hi, Jeff. Glad to be here. Okay, we're glad you're here. Now, before we get too far into this, you are one half of the design team for this game. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, Heiko Günther, my co-designer, is on vacation in Japan right now. Somehow he thinks his uh, spare time is more important than doing uh, (laughs) podcast interviews. I don't know. Unbelievable. Yeah, uh, his priorities are totally skewed. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, he's not only the uh, co-author of the game, but uh, he also uh, made the whole graphic design and the visuals, which you may have noticed. And that's mostly his thing. He's very good at it, and he's uh, designed a few other games, uh, graphic designed a few other games. If you check him on Board Game Geek, uh, you'll see it. Uh, he had a hand in uh, Dune the Dice game and the uh, Glory to Rome redesign and a bunch of other things. Mm. Uh, actually, uh, much too many to uh, mention right now. So uh, he's uh, much more on the professional side of this uh, whole gaming thing than I am. Wow. And so how did the two of you connect up? Well, we go back about uh, 20 years or something like that, uh, 18 years, and we have a weekly board game night. Uh, well, where we play board games, obviously, and uh, we talk board games a lot, and uh, we've kept in contact for this whole time. So that's basically uh, how the connection goes, right? And uh, that's also how we ended up uh, designing games together. Hmm. Well, let's get back to you. Now, I, I read somewhere that you are not a fan of Dodo Birds. <laughs> is that true <laughs> well actually dodo birds are pretty uh, cute or uh, rather they were cute <laughs> uh, unfortunately we don't have uh, any available right now but uh, in case they turn threatening one day or want to take over the world I'm here to defend <laughs> you that's absolutely <laughs> my thing yeah well, I, I th- I'll sleep better at night knowing that you're here to save us so you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> so other than your Dodo Bird fascination, I guess we'll call it, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, uh, as a day job, uh, I'm a lawyer. And uh, actually, I just between jobs right now. I quit my last job uh, a few weeks ago, and I'm starting the new job next week. So uh, this is an uh, interesting time for me, not only because of peak oil, but personally too. And uh, in my spare time, I mostly do board gaming, a few other things as well. I love cooking and stuff. And I uh, train to keep off the pounds from my hips. <laughs> but uh, board gaming is the big thing. And it's the, the hobby I'm, I'm, I have been doing the longest and the most uh, intense, I guess. Hmm. Now, what kind of lawyer are you? Uh, I'm doing uh, social security law. So if you have a problem with uh, pensions or with disabilities or with health insurance, 
you can ask me about it or you can't ask me about it right now because uh, I, have, <laughs> I have no idea how uh, US law works. But if you have a German law problem, uh, I am absolutely your guy. Okay, well, that's fair. Well, I'm curious when you get into helping someone with such problems, yeah. do, you, do you ever apply game mechanics to that scenario? That's an interesting question because uh, there are a lot of similarities uh, to me in doing law and in doing board games. Uh, because a law case uh, is basically uh, like a game. You have a certain uh, starting position and you know how your own pieces are positioned and you know how your your hand cards uh, are set up, but you have no idea uh, how the opposition works, right? And then you start playing and you see, ah, he's playing this tactic or he's playing that tactic, uh, so I respond that way or I respond that way. And usually you can see pretty soon uh, how your chances of winning are or whether you have uh, maybe a 50-50 chance or you can try to turn things around or you are hopelessly outmatched. And mm -hmm. that's a lot of things you see in board games too. So uh, there's a lot of uh, the same things going on. And to me, if you uh, apply the same mindset uh, to games that you use uh, in law and vice versa, uh, that's an, uh, a fruitful uh, exchange you have going on there. Right. Uh, very interesting. Uh, well, tell us, how did you get into games in the first place? <laughs> well, uh, when I was a little kid, my dad gave me Lord of the Rings. And uh, I guess that was the gateway drug. And, <laughs> <laughs> and in the... Uh, 10th grade or something or 9th grade a friend uh, said oh I have found a game it's about Lord of the Rings and we were totally yeah let's get it let's play it and it was uh, the Middle Earth role playing game and uh, that was the first uh, geeky game I was into and uh, from there we uh, expanded into Talisman and a bunch of other games and I haven't stopped yeah. since <laughs> Do you still play role-playing games, or are you more on the, you know, the harder, crunchier games? Well, the problem with uh, role-playing games is uh, that you need much more time to set up things, uh, yeah. right? Because you need to prepare, and uh, you also need to uh, manage, uh, find a few dates where you can play with the same people, uh, and that makes uh, board games uh, easier right now at this uh, station in in my life on our lives because uh, you need much less prep time and you can uh, play this week with some guys and next week with other guys and it's not a problem, right? Mm -hmm. So we only get uh, to do role-playing games about four or five times a year, maybe. Mm -hmm. well, is there a game that is maybe top of your list you really enjoy playing? Uh, well, for a long time I've played GURPS from Steve Jackson Games. Mm-hmm. And I uh, still love it, but uh, it's definitely high on the list for uh, needs a lot of prep time. Uh, so, right. <laughs> uh, so we tried a few uh, indie games uh, like uh, Rises, I don't know if I pronounced that right, from uh, John Ross, which is very minimalistic and uh, mm -hmm. very sleek. And it's basically more like a storytelling game with a few dice uh, added on. And that uh, is much easier, mechanically speaking. But mostly it's board games. Right, right. So, Tobias, think back for us. C can you think of just a 
complete disaster of a board game experience that you had? <laughs> well, let me think. I can think of a few disastrous uh, experiences. I think the worst board games I've played were games where someone tried to market something. So where the game uh, wasn't really about the game, but about uh, here, buy this or buy that. I remember well uh, a game which was about uh, learning uh, road signs and speed limitations and traffic regulations stuff. Uh, and it was all about when it was your turn, you moved a car alongside a pr uh, along a pretty uh, simple road layout. It looked like an eight or something. And after you moved your car, you placed down a traffic sign. And uh, the theory was that you uh, try to uh, create a functioning traffic area. But of course, uh, it didn't work out that way because uh, you put stop signs in front of your opponents and you try to trap people in one-way roads uh, with no exit. And uh, it was a total disaster. Uh, because it got very uh, Dali-like, very uh, absurd, pretty fast. So, uh, right, right. so the game didn't work out at all like the designer intended. <laughs> well, that, that's how many games work out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably, probably. That's true. Well, speaking of designers, when did you start designing your own games? Uh, well, I have designed games for quite some time now but uh, as luck has it most of these designs uh, haven't seen the light of day actually uh, <laughs> i remember the first game i did this must have been i don't know uh, 15 years ago was about uh, godzilla walking through german towns and destroying them and you were godzilla and you smashed pieces of the map and the idea uh, is neat and uh, there are a number of games today with that with that theme but the mechanics i had uh, in mind back then were uh, pretty convoluted and uh, clunky and it didn't uh, work out at all and uh, i might have a prototype still uh, lying around somewhere so that's about 15 years ago I don't know, about seven, eight, ten years ago, uh, Heiko and I started collaborating or cooperating more and uh, in a more structured way to create games. Uh, and of course, mostly games which we wanted to play because uh, just uh, when you write a book, you write a book that you want to read. And when you design a game, you design a game which you want to play. The first real game uh, we made was a kind of 4X space game with lots of little ships, which is in its umpteenth iteration right now. <laughs> uh, and it doesn't have uh, a lot to do with the original design, I think. But it's, it's still fun uh, and we are still working on it. Uh, there was a major redesign going on, uh, I think, last fall. But with uh, peak oil and everything and the games fair in Essen, uh, we haven't worked on it much lately. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting you talk about designing games that you would like to play. What, how would you sum that up? What, you know, what is a game you would like to play? Well, it's interesting because uh, Heiko and I actually, I think, uh, have different priorities in what we want to play. Because my priority uh, when I want to play a game is... I want to have a game with an interesting story or an interesting theme. 
and that might still be the role-playing background I'm coming from. I want to see a story unfold or I want to see heroes uh, strive against the odds or something. So I'm not into very abstract games uh, where you could switch out the theme. And Haiku wants, I think, pretty brainy games where you can plan out and uh, where you can uh, deduct what are the other players doing, what can I do, uh, and where you can plan ahead a lot. And that's actually not uh, exactly what I'm looking for. I'm not against that, absolutely not, but uh, it's not my priority, right? Mm-hmm. I think a, a good game for me, a game I enjoy, is something which you could make in a movie afterwards. Hmm. Just uh, yesterday evening, we were playing a game of Time Agent. I don't know if you know it. It's an older game from 92, I think. Uh, it's about galactic civilizations, and they invent a time machine and send back agents in time to rewrite history. And uh, so we have a whole uh, history uh, and wars which someone lost or didn't lose and uh, technologies which get invented or cannot get invented. And uh, when you're done, you have uh, designed a whole galactic history with interactions and stuff and heroic struggles. And that's what I find absolutely fascinating. Yeah, that sounds that sounds fun. So how do you combine those those two desires of, of you know, on one hand, very thematic and the other hand, more puzzly is that is that hard to bring those two worlds together um i think it's actually easier to bring uh these different aspects together than if we had uh opposite uh, interests because uh, you can have a, th- uh, a game with a story and uh, with the theme which is also puzzly and thinky but uh, if say i wanted games uh with no uh, thinking going on Uh, it would be very difficult uh, to design a game together, right? So we can uh, exchange ideas and uh, one guy is uh, saying, oh, let's do that, that's more what I want to see, and the other says, okay, then we can do that. So we can build on each other's ideas. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about peak oil, and and I guess to start off with that, tell us how peak oil checks both of those boxes. How is it both thematic and and puzzly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so peak oil is about uh, you play as a giant global oil mega corporation, and you try to uh, invest in the future because uh, peak oil is ahead, and uh, it's obvious that oil is running out. So you need to do something else after oil has run out, or you're going to be broke. And that, uh, that's basically the story. So uh, in the game you uh, make a lot of money or you try to make a lot of money and then you buy little startup firms which invest in some sort of uh, high-tech future solution, uh, say uh, solar power or tidal power or whatever. And if you have then uh, bought the correct startup firms, you are best set up for the past oil uh, world community thing. And for, me, and for me, that's uh, an interesting theme, or for us, it's an interesting theme, uh, because uh, you have uh, a big struggle between corporations, and you do all, all sorts of dirty stuff, and you pollute the environment, and you bribe nation states, and you uh, have no problem with financing guerrilla wars, and whatever, all sorts of things which you don't want the press knowing about. On that level, you tell the story about the struggle of your specific oil corporation and about uh, world politics and 
world global economics, right? And on the other hand, you have to uh, think a lot about uh, what you're actually doing. Because I think Pig Oil is one of the games uh, where you can't just play along and then after half the game is over you decide, oh, I think I'm going to win that way. Because that's too late. Uh, you have to decide pretty early uh, which is the way you want to go, what strategy are you uh, trying to play. And uh, then you have to consider, oh, okay, and what strategies are the other players uh, doing? And how do I prevent them from winning? And wait, what did he invest in last turn? I can't remember. Was it that one or was it that one? So you have to plan quite a lot. And you have to, to bluff because, uh, and you have to try to pressure people in not taking beneficial actions somehow. Uh, so you're on that uh, interaction thing in a big way. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the theme. I think what, what catches my eye with regards to peak oil is kind of the gritty nature of it. It's, you know, like you say, you, you kind of have to play some some dirty moves there. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and you, the visuals kind of tie it all together. Where you have people in business suits, but they're carrying these these big, big weapons. <laughs> yes. You know, yeah. you know, so so it's kind of gritty. It's kind of real. It's, it's the very near future. Yeah. It's very different, you know, than, say, your kind of standard fantasy or, you know, space exploration or, or, you know, kind of the standard themes you see in board games. Absolutely, absolutely. Where did the idea come from for that theme? Was that always the idea from the get-go or did that kind of evolve? Well, um, we both like games uh, where you can play dirty, right? And where you can do uh, vile misdeeds and uh, tr <laughs> and try to hide them afterwards. Because that's absolutely fascinating. Because uh, I said on uh, on Board Game Geek, everyone wants to be uh, a James Bond villain, right? Because that's mm -hmm. cool. So that's basically what you can be here. The the corporation you're playing uh, can be like a James Bond villain. And it was pre uh, pretty clear very early that you want uh, a way to be a bad guy, right? You can try to play the game extremely clean and honorable. But that's very difficult, and uh, it's probably not very effective, right? And uh, in the earliest, uh, the earliest inspiration we had for this game was uh, a marketing gimmick game made by I don't know BP or some oil corporation thing, and in that uh, original uh, marketing gimmick game. There was everything was very clean and squeaky and and nice and you couldn't do anything uh, to hurt people and we uh, back then we looked at that game and said it doesn't work at all you need to be uh, able to pollute like hell everything you see <laughs> right uh, and so we started to uh, to write our own rules and our own game board uh, where you could do all that stuff yeah and I think the the graphic psycho designed like you said, uh, capture that pretty well because uh, the colors uh, look clean on the first, uh, at the first glance, but when you look more closely, you see uh, these are shady characters uh, doing their thing. Mm -hmm. uh, well, tell us more about how the games evolve. I guess, you know, first off, how long have you been working on Peak Oil? <laughs> well, I don't even want to think about it. Um, <laughs> uh, definitely several years. Uh, it might be uh, eight or ten years, but um, you have to keep in mind that we didn't uh, for this time meet every week 
twice and talk about peak oil for several hours because uh, there were phases uh, when we didn't uh, do anything with the concept for months and months on end or for half a year or even for a year right mm -hmm. uh, but it was definitely something uh, we always came back to and said okay let's um, drag out peak oil again and uh, let's try to make it better let's have another test game or two or three Uh, so um, it has been evolving for quite some time and the earliest stages um, I must say uh, I'm pretty glad uh, to see them gone <laughs> because uh, the earlier versions of the game weren't very good <laughs> actually <laughs> well as it evolved were there big chunks that you kind of miss now that you maybe could evolve into a different game or that you kind of wish could come find their way back into peak oil <laughs> well Uh, there were a lot of mechanics which were in the game at some point or uh, another point which we uh, took out. And that was probably the most difficult thing during this whole design process to uh, remove uh, parts of the game which were as such not bad and were working but they were just too much, right? Uh, and I'm pretty certain uh, you could from the mechanics remo removed from the game Uh, design several other games. Mm -hmm. At some point, uh, we had little uh, oil tanker um, miniatures which you had to move around the game and you had to roll a lot of dice to do stuff. And there were area control um, parts and there was also more luck and you had to roll and move and stuff. So um, it was a, a lot going on. Well, now, Peak Oil is being published by... Two tomatoes. Right. Can you tell us about how you connected up with them? Yeah. We met them at a game fair in Essen. Uh, that was uh, two years ago, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, they were in the same uh, hotel as we were. In the hotel, every evening, there were lots of people playing board games, usually what they, were, uh, what they had bought during the day. Somehow, you talk with everyone, uh, oh, let's see what you have, let's see what you have. And uh, during that talk, we were, uh, well, Heiko was uh, starting to talk about peak oil. They were interested. And uh, I think Heiko even had a prototype with him. And uh, we were playing that one. And uh, they said, okay, this looks good. Uh, we can think, we think we can publish this uh, if we uh, work on it a bit. So uh, that was uh, when we started seriously to make uh, peak oil publishable. What was special about Two Tomatoes that caught your eye that you thought, yeah, we could have them publish our game? Well, the first uh, thing actually was uh, that there are two really nice guys. And I think that's important because you can't work with someone uh, who's an asshole, right? <laughs> sure. And uh, the sort of questions they asked and uh, the sort of stuff they wanted in the game uh, meshed pretty well uh, with the expectations we had or with the things we thought uh, were important. And uh, from there, uh, we, could, uh, we could work something out. And that's, what, that's, uh, that's important, I think. Well, and so Two Tomatoes, they brought the game to Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. Now, tell me if I'm wrong, but I haven't noticed a lot of, of small German publishers on Kickstarter. Perhaps I'm just totally, I'm, I'm mistaken, I've missed them. But is that, is that kind of unique for Two Tomatoes? 
Well, there aren't that many small German Kickstarters, I think, because there are uh, a number of big German publishers uh, mm. uh, which do uh, board games. And uh, because they're so big, they don't usually do Kickstarters. Uh, right. We have uh, a number of pretty uh, established publishers uh, which have uh, certain parts of the market uh, pretty well to themselves. And uh, I think Kickstarter is too too chancy or too small or not interesting to them, right? Mm -hmm. So the, the, mm -hmm. the family game market and the Euro game market with uh, games which can market to a lot of people is pretty well covered. But uh, if you have something like uh, Peak All, which is uh, honestly more like a gamer's game and not uh, something which you can play with the whole family, like the, the grandma... And, uh, and the granddaddy, uh, that's not something you can publish with an established publisher, I think, in Germany at least. Well, so now you're on Kickstarter. You've been there for, I think, a little over a week. Yep. Overall, how, how are you feeling about how things are going? I think it's pretty awesome. Uh, we are nearing the 400% uh, percent, uh, fulfillment level, which is wow. pretty good, I think. Yeah. Uh, and there are a few pretty cool stretch goals which uh, are already unlocked and a few pretty cool stretch goals uh, still coming up. So uh, it's definitely successful. I'm hoping, of course, it will be even more successful. I think it's uh, still two weeks going, 13 days. Mm. And uh, the response is uh, very positive. And uh, mm. that's, of course... Uh, pretty cool to see because it's cool for the ego to see how our game is getting published and uh, <laughs> it's pretty cool uh, to see that uh, so many people are actually interested in playing this game uh, which we have been uh, designing for so long right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well what do you what do you attribute that to i mean you're right you're having such a huge positive reception is that the art is that the themes that what what would you nail that down to? I think it's a lot of uh, things coming together. The first eye-catcher uh, to get you hooked on the game is the art, I think. Uh, because Heiko has a very distinctive style uh, and he has uh, a style which fits very well with the game. And if you see the, uh, the cover and you, if you see the graphics and the design, I think it's a looker, right? Uh, you, want to, mm -hmm. you want to know more. Uh, because it's not uh, generic art. Uh, it's definitely unique, and that helps, of course, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I think the theme also helps, because uh, that was the feedback we had in Essen last year when we were uh, demoing the game. A lot of people told me that they are totally interested in the theme because uh, renewable resources and what happens in the future and how... Uh, can global economics uh, evolve uh, or continue? Uh, that's important to a lot of people. And then you have the the game as such, that is the mechanical mechanical side of things, which is also, I think, pretty attractive because uh, it gives you options. You have a lot of things we, uh, which you can do, but uh, it's not overly complicated. So uh, you are not looking at a uh, six-hour dice fest with loads of tables, but it's something which you can uh, take out, play in half an evening, and still play something else afterwards. And uh, mm. I think that's uh, several different elements which come together very well. Mm -hmm. 
Well, you, you mentioned briefly uh, that you have some stretch goals that you've already knocked off, some that are coming. Is there one particular stretch goal that you're especially excited about? <laughs> um, there are um, several which I am personally totally excited about, but uh, which aren't even visible right now. <laughs> because uh, you can only see, I think, the next uh, one or two or something stretch goals. Yeah, the next two stretch goals. And there's one a bit further down the road, uh, which I totally love. But um, Can you give us a sneak peek? Come on. <laughs> Come on, let us, let, let us know. Yeah, um, it has to do with the rules. Uh, because uh, while designing the rules... Um, at some point, uh, we realized that the game we had designed was very cutthroat and very aggressive and very mm. mean. And it was perhaps too mean for uh, for the public, right? And uh, there might be a stretch goal later on where you get uh, sort of uh, legacy rules uh, or crude oil rules or however you want to call them. Uh, where you can play uh, a very mean game. Uh, <laughs> meaner than it's uh, actually right now. And I'm looking forward to that. Um, yeah. But right now, uh, I like the, uh, the things which make the game uh, even more uh, visually impressive. So um, it's uh, the next stretch goal, which looks like it's uh, definitely unlockable are pretty cool wooden barrels because you have a lot of oil barrels in the game and we were using uh, little um, yeah, little abstract markers but the uh, two tomatoes uh, are offering uh, really uh, well uh, little wooden barrels and they have rings and look like oil barrels and that's totally cool yeah that's cool well, so once peak oil is out, people are playing with it, they're having a good time. What's next for you? Do you have, do you have another game on the, that's in the wings? We have uh, several games in the wings. Uh, but to be quite honest, uh, I think um, after peak oil uh, is done and published, I want to see and hear nothing uh, of game designs for two or three weeks. <laughs> because, have a little break. Uh, yeah, I definitely uh, need a break because uh, it's totally fun designing games. But uh, rehashing rules and going over the same rules several times, it can get a bit tiring after months and months and months. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we have several things uh, on the back burner, uh, two or three actually. And uh, yeah, we have to talk about it, uh, which one uh, we will focus on uh, next thing. And then we'll have to see how the publishing side goes. Mm-hmm. Well, Tobias, can you give us any suggestions that, you know, if an aspiring game designer is listening to this podcast and they're hoping to get their first game out into the world, what advice would you have for them? Well, um, it's one piece of advice, which is really uh, two parts. You have to play test the hell out of your game. With different people, ideally, but even with the same people, you have to test a lot. Right, and you don't, uh, and you can't be afraid to uh, change things radically. And if the change doesn't work, then you can uh, remove it again. That's not a problem. But you have to test massively. And one very important uh, thing we learned was, when you get feedback, you have to listen to the feedback, but you can't ever simply take the feedback and try to uh, simply implement everything which people tell you. 
right? Mm -hmm. Because uh, that way you won't ever get anywhere. You have to listen to the feedback and you have to think about why are people saying this and is this something uh, we want to address at all? And if so, how we do we want to address it? So you have to know uh, how to work with feedback. Yeah, it's damn important, but you can't uh, simply take it as an action plan and do everything people tell you, right? Yeah, very good. Very good. Well, Tobias, I need to clue you in on a little secret. Okay. Which which is the true purpose of this podcast. Uh-huh. Is not necessarily to talk about game design or games on Kickstarter, uh -huh. but instead to play the game design challenge. I was afraid of that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so here's how this works. I'm going to select a random game theme. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm going to present that theme to you, and then I want you to chew it over, think about it, and pitch back to me how that game might work. Mm-hmm. Okay. For that? Absolutely awesome. Okay, fantastic. Let me see if I can find a, a theme here. Mm -hmm. And that theme is going to be misplaced car keys. <laughs> misplaced car keys. Well, <laughs> that's definitely an evocative theme if I ever heard one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a challenge we all face on a daily basis. So that's a challenge. Well, wow, that's really a challenge. Very well. Well, if car keys are misplaced, that uh, sounds to me like you want uh, some sort of hidden placement. You want to uh, put pieces on the board and you don't know which pieces uh, are what exactly. Like say you have tokens and the top part is identical and the lower part, which you can't see, the face down part, uh, has some sort of signifier on it, okay. such as car keys. So, and then you probably want to uh, locate, not only locate your own, but you want to uh, keep the keys of the other players uh, hidden and wandering about the table. <laughs> and you can probably, and you can probably try to uh, get other players to pick up all sorts of rubbish, right? Uh, which uh, would be worth negative victory points. Then you can definitely, uh, you need different models of cars which give different advantages or maybe you have uh, different characters in the game. So it would be uh, with a lot of bluff, uh, with a lot of memory, uh, which piece of the game is where and uh, social deduction, who is playing what and who is after which set of car keys. Mm -hmm. I like it. Well, and, you know, Tobias, what what that demonstrated to me is you like those mean mechanics. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely, definitely. <laughs> I also do like co-op games, so it's not like I'm always mean. I can cooperate if I want to, right? <laughs> I'll I'll believe it when I see it. I don't know. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> well, Tobias, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and uh, best of luck with Peak Oil and the rest of the campaign. Thanks to you. Well, that was Tobias Guabond, the designer of Peak Oil, currently on Kickstarter. You've been listening to Your Tables on Fire. This episode of Your Tables on Fire is brought to you by Hardback, the prequel to Paperback, currently on Kickstarter. If you like words, if you like deck builders, 
or if you just like having a good time, check out Hardback. Thanks for listening to Your Tables on Fire. Check out our website for show notes and a link straight to Peak Oil. That's www.yourtablesonfire.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Tablefire. We're on Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, even Board Game Geek. Hit us up on any of those sites and give us a review. We want to hear what you think. Well, until next time, go light it up. Thanks.